You are listening to Water Flying, a show dedicated to all things seaplanes. Brought to you by the Seaplane Pilots Association. My name is Steve McCoy. I'm the executive director of the Seaplane Pilots Association, which is the world's largest nonprofit advocacy organization dedicated to the protection and promotion of the water flying community. Climb aboard! We're about to start today's episode. Well, welcome back to Water Flying. My name is Steve McCoy, and as always, I'm joined by my lovely co-host and flight instructor, Abby Kellett. So here with us today is Dion Mitten, pilot, photographer, blogger, YouTuber, documentarian, pretty much every type of media you can imagine, Dion is probably active on it. If you're an SBA member, you recognize him from the SBA calendars where Dion's work is often included. We just, we love his pictures. We always want to include them in our calendars. Dion, you're quite a force online. And if anyone follows aviation photography or videography, they've probably heard of you or seen your work. I know that a lot of the business you get is from that word of mouth community talking about what you produce. It's just really fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Steve, Abby. Hello, how are you? And thanks for having me on. It's awesome. So uh, this is a subject near and dear to my heart as a uh, hardcore videographer and photographer myself. So uh, today we're talking about documenting the adventure. And Dion um, is really one of the most prolific aviation photographers and videographers on social media. Um, and given how small the seaplane community is, I think it's really important that we use this media because we have to attract others to this activity and grow and maintain our numbers because it's really important to really understand that the greater the size of our population of seaplane pilots, the healthier the community will be and it makes everything we do that much easier and and more effective. So let's start off with how you, Dion, got into seaplane flying and the wonderful world of uh, photography and videography. Well, thanks um, again, Steve, for that intro. Um, Flying with me, like probably with a lot of people, is something that started at a young age. Um, I was not born into an aviation family, so I don't have the, um, uh, I never had the luxury of of, uh, mentors that are close relatives or people that I, you know, spend time with a lot. So uh, I paid my way and saved a lot of money and finally got myself into a you know, private pilot's license scenario and started flying. And once I got up in the air, it was clear to me that um, I really needed to bring my camera with. And uh, so there started the adventure of flying, of course, for the fun of it and documenting and, and trying to share my experiences using photography. Uh, when I first traveled to Alaska, it's when the seaplane thing really went wrong for me. <laughs> um, as you and the audience might know, it's seaplane central. And um, I came back from a few first visits as a tourist, you know, experiencing some of the aviation, going on some of the sightseeing and flight seeing adventures. And I and I made it uh, a point to connect with the people, with the crews and the pilots and the people working the, the operations and try to learn from what was going on there and try to learn about the aviation part of it. And 
So I had a few good conversations with pilots that I flew with. And I remember coming back to my, to my corporate job at the time, which is in te technology. And, and so flying was just a hobby. And I started crafting my plan, my transition plan or my exit plan, call it whatever, to, to, to turn seaplane flying into a profession. And so really what sparked all of this was the fact that I firsthand experienced um, the adventure that is seaplane flying. I was incredibly blessed to be able to do that in Alaska. And um, I remember talking to, like I said, talking to some of the pilots and I straight up asked them, what is your story? How did you get, how did you get to do this cool thing? And, and tell me how, you know, what were the steps? What were the considerations, the decision-making and all of that? And I kind of took those notes and uh, figured out a plan for myself and, and seaplane flying was then and still is the goal and the objective. And I started, you know, shaping my flight training curriculum, um, went to a part 61 operation to get myself qualified and commercial and, you know, all the, the certifications, but seaplane flying and wilderness flying was and still is the adventurous goal and the objective. And it's not so much about a career um, as it is about a lifestyle. So I can honestly say the goal and where I'm at with seaplane flying is about the lifestyle. It's why I'm doing it. It's incredibly rewarding and you know, all the parts of aviation that goes into uh, conducting f water flying operations commercially is, of course, it sets a very high bar. So it's a really fun exercise and a fun challenge from an aviation perspective and a piloting perspective. But it's about the lifestyle and the people and everything that goes around, you know, water flying. And, and that's very true, regardless of the region. So mine, of course, started in Alaska, but you, you've, you'll find that it's such a universal activity, um, whether it's the Caribbean, whether it's the, you know, Scandinavia, anywhere in the world, it's the same thing. It's about the people, it's the adventure. So that's my seaplane story. Yeah, so uh, perspective seaplane pilot beware. If you are cautious about getting the bug in a bad way, do not go to Lake Hood and hang out. Absolutely true. <laughs> because it, the worst possible thing you can do. <laughs> so it will ruin you. <laughs> and Dion, you've done yes. quite a few videos up in Alaska. So you not only you know you found this love and this I don't want to say addiction, but you know you you <laughs> caught the bug. Sorry. So you caught the bug, but now you're sharing it. I mean, you obviously you have this skill doing videography, photography. And you know that you enjoy flying. So it's interesting that you've been able to merge these two worlds together and share them with an audience and inspire people and really bring this type of lifestyle to people that may not be able to experience it otherwise. It, it is very true, Abby. I don't feel that I'm doing an, an adequate job of capturing and sharing the experience um, by means of videography and maybe still photos and stuff because... Um, it is a challenge. It's a, it's a very high technical challenge. Uh, when you're doing the flying, it's 500% about the flying. There is no space for, you know, tinkering with other distractions. And so the, the challenge of trying to capture what's going on solo, being a solo photographer is really hard. So I find that I have to switch between what I'm doing, switch between modes. I'm either flying and, and the PIC and then I'm not filming, I'm not involved, I'm not even thinking or dreaming about a script or a potential, you know, how can I capture this scene? So all of the, the, the video and all of the content that you see me share is 
in, in those locations, but it's for the most part when I'm not uh, doing the job of flying. Uh, and simply because, of course, common sense, it's a safety thing and all of that. But it really is such a full-time job and a, and a mental challenge and, a, and an overall uh, workload to be doing the flying, especially in a region like Alaska. It's a single pilot operation, commercial operation. The stakes are really, really high. So the filming and the, the, the hobby stuff of sharing is secondary and, and it's... I try and make make time for that with friends and flying, you know, in my off time and just for fun. And, and you can pretty much kind of recreate the scenarios, even though it's not a, you know, a real, <laughs> it is all real. It's from that area, but most of the creations are from scouting flights or just, you know, playing around and, and flying with friends. And I find that I, I'm way more creative and productive when I'm just doing the filming. I'm sitting right seat. Or yeah, it's hard to to combine the two. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I'll just extend an open offer. I do have a Super Cub on floats. And Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, unfortunately, uh, because of exactly what you're saying, uh, all too often, I end up flying the airplane uh, with someone hanging out of the airplane side saddle to do the photography. So we've got a great partner that we actually did one of our very first podcasts with uh, Brad Fuller, who has a a television uh, and video production company. And so he has an amphibious super cub. I have an amphibious super cub. Uh, They have a dedicated photo ship as well uh, for uh, a land airplane to do photos from. And so generally it's either Brad flying the photo ship and I'm hanging out of the airplane doing photos or I'm flying the airplane and Brad is hanging out of the airplane doing photos. So uh, uh, you have a photo ship pilot and it would be great to uh, go back and forth on that. Okay, let's do it. (laughs) I think Steve's kicking me out of the airplane. Um, That's not real subtle. (laughs) Sorry. I mean, 100% just inviting me to leave. All right. No, no. No, it's fine. It's just my feelings. It's all good. It's all good. Wow. So sorry, Abby. You know, the interesting thing about that um, is I'm equally as happy being not the PIC and, and just capturing the, and, and enjoying the moment and enjoying the flying. It is just as fun as actually, you know, being the in control. And so some, you know, I know people that would rather be flying. I'm the exact opposite. If I can be around airplane and airplane people and in, in such a fun environment, I'm quite okay carrying the camera. Yeah, sure. I can fly the plane as well, but um, I think you've got a fantastic mix you know, you're flying your PIC and then you also get to, cause you're obviously, you know, an extrovert, you enjoy talking and sharing with people. And as your hobby, you get to do that. And so I don't think it ever comes across that, you know, you're, you're sacrificing the flying to be able to do these insane shots. Like no one ever imagines that you're in the back of an airplane doing crazy stuff with passengers on board, but it's, it's really cool that you're able to, you know, film what you're doing as, as you know, but you're where you're where you are. You know, you're doing your job. You're flying. You're a very responsible pilot, and you also on the side get to make these videos and share them. Yeah, and it was, you know, so mine goes back to the very early days of filming aerobatic videos with EAA. Um, we were filming getting started in aerobatics and flying the maneuvers. The second, the follow up video to that uh, with Pompano Air Center when I was working there. Um, and so that really got me into this idea of mounting cameras on, on airplanes. And of course we had tape decks and control boxes and battery packs and, and cabling and everything else 
pre-GoPro days. And that got me started. And, you know, I've been very thankful to Brian Becker and, uh, you know, Pompano Air Center and all the wonderful air show and, and aerobatic pilots that we worked with and have maintained a lot of those relationships. So I enjoy both sides. Uh, but the big thing is telling the story and sharing the inspiration that, like you, I did not come from an, an aviation family. Unlike Rob Saravolo, who we both know, um, um, I did not come from an aviation family. Uh, I had to pay for my all of my uh, lessons out of my pocket, right. you know, right, working right. Uh, through high school, I was working 20 hours a week to pay for my one hour of, of training and a 152. Yep. Um, yep, sounds familiar. Yeah, and I, I literally got my start at 10 years old. I started chasing airplanes and, and airlines. And then uh, actually, Rob Sarablo's father was my AME um, my entire life uh, from my student pilot license until he passed away. So um, I, I think that it's important to share and inspire people and to show people that even if you don't come from an aviation family, sorry to throw you under the bus, Abby. I think there's, you know, it's, there's a whole mix, you know, <laughs> no, people who have been introduced to aviation in different ways, people who have like somehow found that love out of thin air. I think that's yeah. amazing. And, and it, you know, and so that's the whole thing is, is to, you know, uh, pursue this and, and show people how, I mean, I cannot, I physically cannot imagine my life being outside of aviation. Yep. Yeah. Wow. So, so Dion, besides um, taking my spot in the Super Cub, um, <laughs> we'll, Abby, we'll bring back some good photos. I promise. Oh, that's <laughs> so generous! Wow, that's a that's a definite we'll slide right there. So, what are you up to now? What what projects are you working on? Where are you calling from? Yeah. Well. Um, I am um, considering myself a, a seasonal pilot and um, following the sun um, lifestyle. And I kind of like that setup because it gets me to be in perpetual summer and perpetual beach and, you know, water and beach and sunlight and blue skies. It's, it's, it kind of suits me at this time. So I've started um, flying seasonally in Alaska, um, which, of course, is a is a very relatively short season and i kind of set up my my work life balance that that's my primary commitment and then for the rest i'm taking time off and so during the time off i get to look at other creative processes and honing my skills in uh, in the photography and the video work and the, you know all of that but because it's a it's a keen hobby as you know and it's fun and and quite often during the flying season, there's just not enough um, hours in the day to to actually get to be processing and producing stuff. So I find that in the off time, uh, I finally get to work through six months of video stock. And, oh, uh, good grief. That's and, intimidating. <laughs> yeah. And then um, so social media is an outlet. Of course, it's a fun way to engage and, and, and attempt to inspire. And, and that's kind of my goal with with the social media thing. Uh, today I'm calling you from South Africa, and we are. Uh, I'm in a city uh, by the a coastal city in Cape Town. It is um, 18 degrees south, same latitude as San Diego. Uh, of course, I was a San Diego resident for almost 20 years recently before I started becoming a snowbird and then uh, flying, you know, doing Alaska and Florida and Southern Hemisphere and following the sun. I think it's interesting as seaplane pilots, we can't go too far from the water. So you said you're on a beach right now. It's like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Can't go inland. Yeah. 
Here's the sad thing about um, this region is, like with many areas around the world and, and jurisdictions, is float and water flying is, is totally outlawed in this region. And, you know, for a very common um, excuse or reason that we find quite often, and it's the, it's the perceived, uh, you know, water protection or co cross-contamination issues and all of that, which which is just the position of the, the local government, and that's, that's the status. It's pretty sad that there is no water flying. There's plenty of bodies of water in southern Africa, but it's, um, it's very limited or near zero or limited access. So, um, yeah, I'm spending time on my keyboard right now when I'm not doing the flying, but I'm, I'm getting to do some flying, just not water flying. Chair well, flying. That's important, though, because uh, so that the uh, big issue down there is uh, concerns about environmental impact, like invasive species and pollution. Mm -hmm. That's something for us to address. Um, it's so, something the SBA is constantly working on. So I think that's an interesting tie over, you know, what you're doing with your social media. And I think it can come across as, you know, oh, social media. And it's, I don't know, superfluous is the word or, um, you know, unimportant. But it really is. I mean, it's. It's showing, it's negating any stereotypes, it's educating people in a way. And so the more education, the less ignorance, you know, I think you're going to have such a positive impact from having um, such a presence on social media and being such an advocate for seaplanes. And of course, the Seaplane Pilots Association constantly advocating for fair and equal access to waterways. Steve constantly in his office um, <laughs> she with hears Fish it. and Wildlife. <laughs> I'm 10 feet away. I constantly hear it fighting for fair oh, and equal cool. access to waterways. Yeah. And so I think we all have um, a goal in mind, and we're all working towards that. Yeah, because a lot of these perceptions that are just drawn out of lack of knowledge about access to these waterways, uh, you know, there's this sense that we pollute the water, and there's this sense about the, you know, how prolific we transport uh, invasive species, and and that's really. I mean, that's not really the case, and, and it's easy to draw that conclusion if you're not familiar with us. Uh, but that's our whole purpose of being here is to work yep. with these uh, regulators and policymakers to help change these policies or to bring them to an understanding that, look, we're a small user group and we're a very responsible user group. And on top of it, we're incredibly highly educated. And we are also, you know, the reason we like flying seaplanes to remote areas um, which is generally what we find the most enjoyable is because we appreciate these areas and we don't want to do anything. We want to be good stewards of these areas because we enjoy going there. That's absolutely true. I, I think the, um, it's a common thread. You know, there's no scientific basis for, for having that position in terms of regulating um, universally. Um, and I, I think as in probably what you're, we're finding in North America is sometimes or most cases, it's the easy answer because it just having to put some work into um, helping organizations like ours to, to have access and, 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 and relatively um, easy access will take some work on somebody's side, you know. And so if you look at regulators, I suspect that it's just the easy, the easy answer is just no. Yeah. Um, because science, science and um, data collection is never easy. It's sometimes biased and it might open a whole can of worms. And I think political agendas aside, but I think it's just sometimes work and some of these regulators, you know, steer away from that. There's too many other things that 
they keep themselves busy with. So that's kind of my view on it. It's of, and I take more of a scientific view of it. My background, my academic training is sciences. It's in the natural sciences. So um, I think that that's no matter what we do in life and especially to the environment, um, scientific data and scientific um, uh, studies and progressing and, and exploring the natural world is what we should be basing our assessments on and if that la- that's lacking then of course you know anything anything's possible absolutely absolutely that's an interesting background you come from coming into seaplane flying so that was a little bit of a segue but an important one because it is literally at the heart of why we exist at the seaplane pilots association for so thank you for sharing that and and not necessarily you know intentionally opening that topic but i think it's an important right. topic and for the listeners to hear so i think like myself you're an avid collector of the variety of aircraft that you've flown and put in your logbook and had experiences in so what what are uh, some of the kinds of what are some of the different seaplanes that you have flown um and uh what are your favorite ones yeah the, i i believe as a as a you know piloting is an interesting skill that we learn and it's really not that difficult anybody can be a pilot you just you know it's a motor skill and all of that but i think in the act of enjoying float flying enjoying aviation i do actively try and and you know grow and learn and by adding or experiencing different types and different models is one way that we can do that so let me see on the seaplane list um most of the Cessna, so started the 185, 206 Caravan. Um, then Cubs, of course, Super Cub and J3. Uh, Husky is a fun plane on uh, on uh, Amphibs. It's quite a good wor- wor- workhorse. It gets out of the water decently. Uh, of course, the De Havilland's Beaver and Otter, Twin Otter. I've never flown a, not a Twin Otter, sorry. Um, I've never flown a... Um, a radial order, but of course the all the many turbine conversions. Um, that's a, a powerhouse and a workhorse. Um, the Sea Ray is really a fun, you know, introductory airplane. It's really nimble and performance characteristics is just makes it a really really fun airplane. Uh, tooled around the Bahamas with that uh, Kodiak, and then I'll end the list with a Pilatus PC6. Never flown a twin order. Yeah, actually, either have I. Uh, it's one of the few seaplanes I haven't flown. Yeah, on the to-do list. <laughs> on the to-do list. So I was trying to think, there is still a radial otter on floats um, uh, out in, is oh, it yeah, a catch a can? There's one catch in a, Homer. A Homer, there's, yeah, uh, it was Homer. Yeah, the one on the little pond there in Homer. Yeah, with uh, Northwind. Um, so I know the, the guys operate. I, I typically, if, when I'm in Homer, I hang around the, the dock there. And you can find me at the Radial Otter. <laughs> you'll see, <laughs> you'll see uh, my, my social media feed contains quite a bit of that. It's such a, it's just such an iconic and piece of history. Just it's follow the otters. Follow yeah. the otters. <laughs> uh, follow the Radial Otters. I Not like too many that. of them around and um, for, for many reasons, but. Uh, they have a good I bark. <laughs> So I don't know if you knew this, Dion, but we've actually met before. We've met at the, was it the International Flying? No, it was at East Hampton. At the East Hampton Airport. I was yeah. flying for Shoreline. I don't, you were flying for some operator up there, Fly the Whale or Tropic. Oh, right, right, right. I was flying for, op, for, for uh, Tropic. Yeah, yeah. So we ran into each other. We didn't have very long to talk, but I'm thinking back, I'm like, I met Dion Mitten. Like, yeah, I know. And yes. so like, I followed you on, on um, Instagram after that. I'm like. Oh, he like, 
he like real popular on social media. <laughs> like, oh, he kind of famous. <laughs> so I didn't realize that at the time. Right. Um, it, it probably was in the, yeah, in the FBO. We were just grabbing a cup of coffee. Or it was, uh, yeah. Quick turns. Yeah, I love those quick turns in uh, East Hampton. Exactly, exactly. You sit and it you really sit and you watch turn. Netflix. Get the and then... guys on, on the phone and on the radio. Yeah. And, exactly. and so you just walked into that one. I don't know if you heard, but we're fighting for water access in East Hampton right now as well. So uh, um, uh, they're trying to shut down all of the water within the city limits. Um, and 1,500 feet offshore. Yeah, up to 1,500 feet offshore. So we've been working uh, with Eric Weaver and some legal counsel, and, and we're doing mm-hmm. everything we can to uh, prevent that from happening. And again, it, it comes down to that education process because they right. were using environmental concerns, safety concerns, um, and just a lot of things that really quite on, you know, invasive species, it's salt water. Uh, going mm-hmm. from saltwater body to saltwater body that's connected, not an issue, and yet they were using yeah. that as as part of their uh reasoning so uh, unfortunately it's a it's highly utilized by seaplanes it's it's like the ultimate justification of how you use a seaplane productively as part of transportation infrastructure and yet they're trying to lock it out and i thought it was really interesting that in the testimony that the, the most recent one that we did at the town council meeting which was virtual but they did not have a single resident come on to object to seaplanes flying into East Hampton. The only resident that they had that came into the uh, a meeting was pro seaplane, talking about how great they are, and all of the people, <laughs> yeah, and all of the people that objected to seaplane access in East Hampton. None of them were residents, uh, so who are they catering yeah. to? <laughs> But, backfired. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Actually, Abby, that's interesting. Um, I might, you know, depending on how the season goes, I might actually be up in New York this summer. So we'll see. Oh, that'll be nice. That'll be nice. I don't know if you're still flying there, but uh, might run into you again. Um, there was so much transfer going on. So they were getting bought out and there was just a lot of overhaul. So I actually came down to Florida so I could fly year round and I'm teaching down here now. And I apparently have another job at the SPA here, so kind of just fell into this one. But um, yeah, it was just really nice meeting you. I just thought that was funny, um, yep. both being in the same I, place. It's I a small world. Small it is. World. And and I went home to uh, have a quick bite to eat, came back, and as I was walking out the door, uh, my wife Mary goes, tell Dion I said hello and give him my love because uh, she's <laughs> she's uh, retweeting all your uh, stuff on, on Twitter uh, for SPA. And, of course, she's talked to you, as I have, at, at AirVenture and stuff. So uh, yeah, well, tell uh, thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> you make so, quite the impression. Just know that. Yeah. So we'd love to know what is next for you. Like, what's your next project? Where are you going next? COVID kind of putting the brakes on for everybody. But um, what's coming next? Yeah, of course, you know, we all try and be creative in this time and and given what's going on. So um, there might be uh, there might be an Alaska season. There might be a New York season uh, summertime coming up. Uh, One of my adventures that's on my to do list. And this is regardless. This is really um, time agnostic for the most part is Mm -hmm. I do want to explore the coast of or the coastal parts of Greenland. Um, that's definitely on my to-do list. I'll have to figure out a way to uh, to, to execute that. Greenland, that's um, interesting. You know, I wouldn't think of that as being a real destination for a pilot. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? It's, it's a... It's amazing. Oh, it's, to, to me, it's a... Um, I think, Steve, you've flown there, but I to me, it's one of... 
if I can't take the seaplane to Antarctica, I want to take it to Greenland. Yeah, it's uh, incredible. And I, and I do want to sp- spend some time, but not just fly over and stop for fuel. You know, I do want to spend some time on the ground there. Um, and then Scandinavia. I, I really like to go and explore a little bit more of the Norwegian coastline up to the Arctic. Um, and there is limited seaplane flying, of course, but that's a region that I'd like to explore more. So there you go. Three regions. Um, Alaska, Arctic, Alaska, the uh, Northeast uh, waterways, um, Greenland, and Scandinavia. Oh, fantastic. And I can't wait to see it on social media, YouTube, and just, I, I can't wait to see what you put out for us. Yeah, I, and I love hearing all this because, um, you know, my next question was literally, so, you know, we at the Seaplane Pilots Association and we as seaplane pilots know the benefits, and, and especially those have had the good fortune to fly seaplanes in a lot of geographic diversity and a lot of different types of seaplanes. We know the benefits of this amazing lifestyle in this world of water flying that we, we enjoy. But it's it's important. What would you like to convey to our listeners about your experiences and how seaplanes have influenced or, or added to those experiences? It's water flying or, or being close to water um, and bringing aviation into the picture to me, as I mentioned before, is a lifestyle um, activity. Whether you do it as a profession, whether you do it recreationally, um, spending time with people near and dear to you in locations that you really like, um, in this case, water, uh, coastal, inland, bodies of water. I think, to me, that uh, access and using aviation in that way brings so much um, value to to uh, exploring some of these wilderness areas. And then I say wilderness um, because for, for me, the, the, these regions um, and the access that we have by means of air transport um, brings me closer to some of the most pristine wilderness areas on this planet. And true, you can reach some of those by, by sea, but in many cases, it's really tough to get to some of these locations by by water. And so I think a quick path to gaining that experience and to getting exposure to these fantastic, untouched, unspoiled wilderness areas by air and by seaplane is there's just a romance about it. There's a exhilaration. There's an adventure. There's a survival element. There's a being exposed to the to the elements, you know, part of that that's it's very difficult to capture. You really have to take somebody along and, and, and just watch them smile and watch their, you know, their whole body light up and their whole spirit enjoy. And it's a, it's a very overpowering um, sensory overload kind of an experience. And, and I see that every day, every time I fly um, like the Alaska flying where the market is tourism and people come from all over the world for the most part, they get in a, light airplane for the first time and for sure they get in a seaplane for the first time and just to witness the the adventure and the excitement and the the smiles and the positive energy that comes from that is extremely rewarding and i know that's true for me i know that's true for any and all seaplane pilots so uh, for the for the audience you know if if there's something that you (laughs) 
that you've been dreaming about and seaplane flying is on that list, you know, you better get out there and do it. You will never, never regret that. It's just a fascinating way of conducting aviation. It's an extremely rewarding and um, sensory overload way of experiencing nature in, in its pristine, beautiful format. You sell it, Dion. I mean, that's exactly it. You've got Steve and us in the office just aggressively nodding at everything you say because it's it's all of it. It's so true. I mean, it opens up the world to you. I, I don't I don't want to try to put in any other words than what you said. It was just so well put. Um, Steve, anything to add? Yeah, I mean, because, you know, we have the good fortune through this this activity of flying seaplanes to see things that most people it's beyond their ability to even imagine these places exist. And there's so many places I haven't taken you yet that, you know, through your journeys with SPA, I look forward to taking you to. Um, oh, you're and, talking to me? Yeah. Oh, I look forward to going. <laughs> so, I mean, but we have access to areas that no one else has access to that are incredibly remote. And in today's society where we're so... Uh, you know, if you can't get there by car, you don't believe you can that the place exists anymore. And there are so many amazing places that we as seaplane pilots have the, this incredible luxury to visit and enjoy and experience. And uh, I again, I you know, you and I are talking the very same language, and and you can tell someone that has done that by the way they talk as you just did it, it's you know it's it's very obvious that you appreciate it for the same reasons and and again that you understand this this beautiful thing that we enjoy i think you know what i'll add to that is with all that said yes it's an incredibly rewarding experience and we can all take that in and you know internalize that but the 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 thing that definitely happens is once you get uh, once you get to experience nature and wilderness and remote areas like that it definitely sparks a a thought process and it sparks an energy to first of all go and share that with whoever is in your circle and people do that i do it as a pilot i do it as a person operating in that but i i know for sure people and uh, visitors and tourists that are in that mode they go home and they tell the same story but it also sparks a much bigger uh, theme of conversation around conservation and the preservation of our natural resources in the places on earth that, like you said, Steve, th these are places that people might see in the National Geographic magazine. They might see it in a documentary on TV. They'll flip through the channels. You can absolutely, as a, as a private citizen, experience some of these places without too much effort. And how grand is that? And, and, but then comes the conversation about, this is so great. We don't want this to go to waste. We really want to conserve it. We want to protect it for, for, for generations to come. And now you're getting into the conversation of, of let's do what's right. Let's share the message. Let's protect our wilderness. Let's protect our wild places, our you know, fauna and flora. And this is not about pilots you know, hopping to wilderness places and and having a grand old time and, you know, and spoiling themselves. Yes, we do get that. But I think the bigger picture is the fact that we can broadcast this message out and, and do it in many different ways. And today, you know, there's many ways that we communicate. But the, the theme is how do, we, how do we as individuals get together and how do we form, um, organize ourselves around protecting this and not let it go to waste? And how do we, be, how do we 
become ambassadors of this w wilderness that we have and that we we know the environment needs and for all the right reasons is the stuff that we need to be actively pursuing otherwise it will go to waste and so yeah i know that you speak for such a majority of the seaplane pilot community you know we care about these places we want to see them last so that we can enjoy them and i, I you having a background in um in um the sciences i i think it's just it's an it's an amazing tie-in so thank you so much dion really um you can check out Dion Mitten on social media, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, wherever you get online. He's probably there. His website is DionMitten.com. Thank you so much for joining us. We're really looking forward to continue the conversation. And thank you. Thank you, Dion. Dion, thank you. I cannot wait to have you back on. Uh, thanks, guys. Thanks for what you are doing as an organization and you know promoting all of what we talked about. We are so glad you joined us today. If you like today's show, I highly encourage you to join the Seaplane Pilots Association and become a member of the largest seaplane community in the world. Members receive Water Flying, the only full-color glossy magazine dedicated to the seaplane community. And it's available in both printed and digital form. Your membership also includes access to the Water Landing Directory app, which has the Seaplane Flight School directory and a calendar of seaplane events, not only here in the United States, but around the world. The association hosts regular educational workshops, safety seminars, and gatherings for seaplane pilots and anyone with a passion for seaplanes. So look us up online at seaplanes.org, join our community, and support our mission of protecting and promoting water flying.